today I'm brave enough mm-hmm. to take that step. Am I ever going to be hundred percent sure? No, but today I, I'm brave enough. And today is going to be the day that I'm going to be brave enough to just try. Yes. And, and so that's what we did. We were brave enough to say, I think that we have an offering here that doesn't exist elsewhere in the market. I think we know enough based on our own experience. And I think that we can do this and let's give it a try. And what's the worst that can happen? We, it doesn't work. And then we find another job. Sidebar, and I have to share my experience with you. Sidebar is a leadership program that accelerates your career. The program is designed for the world's most dynamic leaders and professionals who want to do more, do it better, and do it faster. Sound like you? It's like having your own personal board of directors made up of brilliant industry leaders. Sidebar found me a great match with a highly vetted and supportive peer group. We meet bi-weekly to discuss my challenges as an entrepreneur and builder. Every call has been impactful, helping me navigate my next steps and blockers. Peer groups provide accountability, diverse perspectives, and raw feedback, which is the most important. And everything is confidential. The best part is Sidebar runs the program and you just show up. They have the tech, the people, and the processes to drive impact and growth. Professional facilitators lead you and your peer group through a research-based curriculum that unlocks specific insights from each group. Learning from other people's experiences has been so valuable. By joining Sidebar, you are better prepared to face complex challenges, advance in your career, and make a bigger impact. Jump the growing waitlist of thousands of senior leaders waiting to join Sidebar and build your board of directors by visiting sidebar.com slash she's interesting. That's sidebar.com slash she's interesting. Hi, everyone. I'm so excited to have an incredible Toronto entrepreneur and leader in reproductive health on the show today. Welcome, Samantha. Thank you. She is the co-founder and CEO of fertility startup Bird & Bee. Bird and Bee is revolutionizing at-home fertility support. They offer daily packs of doctor-formulated preconception and prenatal vitamins loaded with top quality ingredients at just right doses delivered straight to your home. You don't even have to leave. And at-home tests to give you information sooner so that you can proactively flag reproductive health issues. Very important. Bird and Bee is a venture-backed startup funded by some of the major heavy hitters that you may have heard of, you know, like Brian Lee, the co-founder of The Honest Company, BAM Ventures, Founder Collective, Slow Ventures, Scott Belsey of Behance and Adobe, and many doctors from across Canada and the U.S. This is major. Congratulations on securing that VC money. Thank you. It is incredible to see that you've secured this funding for a fertility startup Um, On average, only 2% of VC funding goes to women-led startups. So I think it's incredible that you've been able to get that funding, get that money. Um, Also, I will say before launching into the startup world, Samantha co-founded one of Toronto's leading PR and digital agencies, ROI Relations. She managed and grew this company for 10 years before selling it in 2021. Like, you're incredible. Sam, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I feel very honored to be here. Where I am so honored to have you on the show. Um, Samantha is an inspiration to many of the Toronto entrepreneurs. And I want to talk about your early days as a founder. Let's start from like, let's take a few steps back to your pre-agency owner days. So I want to share your entire journey as an entrepreneur with our listeners, because everyone's probably like, how did you play chess so well to get to where you are today? And to do that, we need to start from the beginning. So 
I'll set the scene. It's 2011 and you're working full-time in global comms at Mac Cosmetics. So what was the catalyst for you to start your agency, to leave your corporate job at Mac Cosmetics? Like that's huge. People dream of working for Mac. And how did you know it was time to branch out on your own? Mac was a wild crazy and incredible experience. I have many, many fun stories from my days working there. But the driver behind me leaving was actually tied to the need for more flexibility. Mm. And I think as women, that is something that we all are seeking in our day to day. At the time, the flexibility was actually related to my husband's job. He needed to move for work. Mm. And I needed to move with him and I needed to be able to be flexible with my location. We were in Toronto. Um, We had to do a year in Boston and then a couple of years in Montreal. And I needed to be able to work remotely. And Mm. I also knew that we were going to be growing our family Mm -hmm. at some point. And I knew that flexibility was going to be really important. I saw what the day-to-day of a corporate job looked like. And at the time, this is like pre-Zoom. Oh, yeah. Pre, you know, pre, I think I had a BlackBerry. (laughs) Um, And so flexibility didn't look the way that it does today. Mm -hmm. Was there any fear related to making that decision? Was there ever a moment when you were like, okay, crap, like I'm doing this now, going off on my own. But you did have a co-founder, right? You had a partner. Yes, I had a co-founder. And and I think having a co-founder makes everything a lot better. You share the wins, you share the losses, um, you you share the journey. And, you know, being able to balance a little bit of that with having somebody take on when you can't or you take when they can't, it, it's it's a lot easier to dive into something, I think, mm-hmm. when it's not just all on you. It's really mu- very much like a marriage. Brene Brown actually says in her marriage, her and her husband sit down at the dinner table every day and they say, how much do you have to give? And she'll say, I only have like 20% today. I'm running on empty. And he'll say, okay, I have 40. And if it doesn't come up to 100%, they figure out how to make it work. And I think that that is such an interesting way to think about relationships, whether it is a co-founder relationship or your personal relationship. How do you balance that out and communicate with each other that this is all I have to give today. Can you help me out? Yeah. And I think being able to ask for help is a skill. Mm -hmm. And I think it's something that I'm still learning. I'm a lot better at it now than I was five, 10 years ago. But I think that again, as women, I think we are, we're sold this sort of bill of goods where we're told you can have everything, you can do everything, but I don't believe you can unless you ask for help. Mm-hmm. And, and so learning how to ask for help is absolutely critical to being able to build anything. Having it all is such a myth and it sets everybody up for failure. And that's what creates a lot of anxiety and stress because you're like, why? There's this idea that I can have everything and it's so hard. And so I hate the question of, you know, how do you manage your life and your work or that balance? I think it's total BS. So I'm going to rephrase that question because women get asked this kind of shit all the time. I want to ask you, how do you and your partner build systems that support your life and help you guys both balance your work? It's my favorite question. And I agree with you. It's yeah. absolute bullshit that women get asked those questions. Like men in interviews, do they get asked, how do you balance your life? No, mm-hmm. they don't get asked that. 
Yeah. So I, I appreciate your reframing of the question. And I think it's really important to dial into the fact that you can't, you absolutely need to have systems and support. And I think it's really important to acknowledge that those who do not have the support, either from a community or financially, are going to have 50 times harder journey mm -hmm. than it, the people who do and the people who come into work, life, entrepreneurship with the privilege of having community and some sort of financial stability because without it, your your journey is tougher, 100%. Um, on our end, so my husband is also an entrepreneur and uh, he has an incredibly busy schedule. I think he is involved in four different ventures um, including day-to-day, -day, uh, including practicing medicine day-to-day. -day. That's busy. He's, he's very busy. Uh, we have three children and we are generally busy <laughs> as a result. And I think that having two very busy working professionals in the home is a challenge when you have children. Mm -hmm. Uh, I also don't think that our current school system is built for having two working professionals in the home. Mm -hmm. School ends around 3 or 3.30. That's not when the workday ends. So having to build in other types of support is critical to be able to actually do the work that needs to get done every mm -hmm. day. I think what we have done and, and how we have navigated it is understanding, again, falling back on the reason I decided to go this route in my life, which was flexibility, I have more flexibility in terms of hours and where I need to be in a day, generally speaking, mm -hmm. than he does. If he is operating or seeing patients, that does not have the same flexibility as I do. If I have something where I absolutely need to be somewhere, he's able to step in for me with some planning. And if not, I have the benefit of having parents who have been incredible and willing to step in to drive my children to and from hockey or soccer or dance or mm -hmm. school or whatever it may be. And I also have a nanny and I have a nanny in my home who supports me every single afternoon with my children, who helps me get them fed and who helps me get them to and from friends' houses. And I acknowledge that this is such a privilege, but if I did not have this support installed in my home, then I would not be able to operate the business at the capacity that I do right now with three children. I, I love that you called that out, the, the piece about outsourcing support. So I'm going to give a shout out to a previous boss I had when I worked at McDonald's. Her name's Lara. Shout out to Lara. She was a mother to five children. They had a blended family. She is now leading McDonald's in Switzerland. She is the managing director. And one of her pieces of advice to me when I worked with her was outsource things that one, you don't want to do, or two, that are going to take up time that you have with your family. Because the more you invest in your work, and you outsource, like, get someone to help you with the laundry, get someone to help you feed the kids, get someone like a nanny. It's an investment up front and it costs money, you know, so that there is a privilege in, in it being able to do that. But when you have these systems in place, it helps you to be the best CEO that you can be. It helps you to focus and know that my kids are taken care of. I have extra support. The grandparents are there. My husband's doing as much as he can. We're both doing our best. And I think, 
you know, if that's one piece of advice for the listeners is you don't need to feel like you have to take on everything and outsourcing is the best way to help you focus in other areas of your life. I agree. Anything, what I've learned and especially through pandemic life, Mm -hmm. um, double down on ordering everything. So no longer do I go to the grocery store. There you go. (laughs) No longer do I go to any store, really. Everything gets ordered. I'm I've got tons of things on subscription. Subscription is key for not forgetting to stock up on the home essentials. And I think spending our time focusing on our goal, which is for our children to feel loved and supported, that's where we want to focus our time. And anything that we can bring in for additional support, whether it's, you know, driving to and from or, again, ordering food, you know, those are those are little things that in the in the long run that that's not the difference for the kids it's yeah. you know you're there when you need to be there and i think also what i've learned and i've and i've really really leaned into over the past year is weekends mm. i i think we've we've all sort of come of age in in the past 10 20 years in a world that has put a lot of pressure on us to be busy and to be working all the time and to sort of prove Mm -hmm. that we are always hardworking. And I think that for me, at least now on weekends, I, I can't work because I've got my three kids in all kinds of different competitive sports and we're driving here and there and everywhere. Um, you know, two, three times a day to different games, there is no other time for me to dedicate to work. So really leaning into the weekends and 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 being present for the kids and also having that actual separation from work yeah. has been incredibly helpful, I think, from a mental health perspective. I agree. I think when you learn for yourself, and this is for everyone listening as well, when you learn to to have like a, an end point in your day that you stop working, it helps your mind reset. And we actually need that for our brains to function better, for us to reduce anxiety. Because otherwise, very quickly, it's something that can spiral where you're like, I should have done this. I should have done that. I have five things left on my to-do list. It's now Friday afternoon. But I like that you talk so much as, as a CEO who has such an important job of having balance in your life. And you mentioned spending time with your kids. And it's not just for the kids either. It's also for you. You're making memories for the future. This is part of your life. As you were going through the process of selling the agency, starting Bird and Bee, it was kind of a downtime in the economy. Um, your clients were cutting back on some of their spending. What What is your mindset when it comes to money? Have you always had like a positive mindset when it comes to money? How did you not let the fear of people cutting back interfere with, you know, how you ran your business at the time and and not letting fear get in the way of making decisions? I think I have a pretty conservative mindset when it comes to money and sometimes, sometimes a scarcity approach. Mm -hmm. And I think, I think that is how I was raised. I was raised to be very conservative about money. I like to have uh, that safety net there. And when it came to the agency, you know, we had to make all kinds of cuts because that that's what was in front of us. And I think at the time the government was doing those programs where they would support the employees that had mm-hmm. been laid off with a salary stipend. 
Um, and so we had to rely on those programs because uh, our, our clients sort of cut down on everything and therefore we had to cut down on everything. Uh, I think that if as as we were building Burden B and I was understanding and, and learning more and more about the financial side of the business and also understanding that that meant that for quite some time I wouldn't be able to take a salary, that became a conversation again at home with my husband. Is that something that we need to look at? Is that something that we can do and that we can support? And the answer was yes. And he said, go for it. Like we will, we'll be okay. We'll figure it out. And again, that was a privilege that I had. I had somebody in my life who was, who had a stable enough job, especially during COVID. Uh, mm-hmm. Medicine is a pretty stable career. Um, so there wasn't fear for his job. And he's, he was making enough money that it would be okay that if I didn't take a salary for some time, that we would be fine. And we knew that, you know, there's other areas of our life that we would be more conservative with. Um, but he was supportive of that decision. And I, and I recognize and acknowledge that that is not something that everybody else is able to do. And that makes entrepreneurship that much harder to access for folks who aren't already coming from a place of that privilege. Absolutely. And we love a supportive partner on this podcast because it, choosing who your partner is and, and having their support as you're making these big risky decisions in your life and being brave, you need to have someone there that's like, I got you. Like you go, go do your thing. I'm going to stay focused here and let's regroup again in six months and a year and figure out what the next step for us as a couple looks like. So it's, it's lovely that you were able to figure this out with your partner to make it work because look at where the company is now by taking these risks, taking a leap. Bird and Bee got all this funding. You're doing incredible work for people everywhere. And so I, I love that we're talking about the family side of things. I'm going to do a little transition to go back to your early founder days. Um, we, ta- we touched a little bit about Sam starting her agency, leaving Mac. So I'm sure so many um, listeners are considering taking the leap, starting their own businesses and are hesitant for many reasons. It could be financial security. It could be just having some imposter syndrome and not feeling like they're ready to. So aside from the necessity of needing to have that flexibility in your life, how did you actually take the steps to start your your business? How did you find your co-founder? And what advice would you give women that today in this economy that we're living in are thinking of leaving their corporate jobs to start a business? So at, at the time, I, I was working at Mac with my co-founder, and we both decided to sort of take that leap together. So I think, again, having somebody who you're doing this mm-hmm. with and together uh, makes all the difference in the world. I, I think it gets to the point where, are, are we ever really sure? Like, do you ever wake up in the morning one day and say, no, today is the day I'm going to be 100%? No. I don't think so. I think, I think it's the, today I'm brave enough mm-hmm. to take that step. Am I ever going to be hundred percent sure? No, but today I, I'm brave enough. And today is going to be the day that I'm going to be brave enough to just try. Yes. And, and so that's what we did. We were brave enough to say, I think that we have an offering here that doesn't exist elsewhere in the market. I think we know enough based on our own experience and I think that we can do this and let's give it a try. And what's the worst that can happen? We, it doesn't work. And then we find another job. 
I I love that. That kind of gave me goosebumps a little bit as you were saying it, because I love that you use the word brave. And bravery says so much about being an entrepreneur. You have to take risks. You have to be brave. You have to put yourself out there. And and I also like that you you ended it off with, you know what, if things don't work out, like I'm still going to be okay. I'll, I'll find a job. I'll do something. And one thing I really tell myself and I tell my friends as well is your worth is not determined by your work. So if you think about your life and starting these ventures as an experiment and, and position it as an experiment as an entrepreneur, it helps to detach your own value from it because it's like, I'm just experimenting. I'm trying something new. I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to be brave and let's see where this goes. And, and what I also find too is like, it's like diving into the deep end. Once you're in there, you figure out how to swim and how to stay afloat. But if you never jump in and you're always scared to get in the water, you'll never be able to build your skill set, learn new things, and actually surprise yourself sometimes that you can make shit happen. Even though like you don't need to think two, three steps ahead, just take the first step. Just jump in. Once you're in there, you'll figure out the next and go so on and so forth. That's exactly it. And you need to believe in yourself before you're going to get other people to believe in you. And if you don't, if you're not brave enough to take that step and you don't believe enough in yourself, mm-hmm. it's going to be triple as hard to convince other people to join you. Oh yeah. Cause they can, you can feel the energy. You can feel the vibe when someone is not feeling a hundred percent themselves, when their confidence isn't just there. If you're going, for example, with Burden B, if you were going to go pitch these companies and you didn't believe in your own product, there's no way anyone sitting there is going to write you a check, right? Like you have to be like, this is what we're doing. This is going to be great. This is going to change the world. You have some pretty impressive supporters that were part of your recent fundraise. So let's talk a little bit about that process. Like at what stage did you think we, we need to raise funding? Was it early on when you were first building the business and the brand? Did you bootstrap it a little bit? What was the strategy? It's fun to look back on the early days where there are so many moments of feeling that hopelessness. How am I ever going to get to X, Y, and Z? And then it's exactly as you said, it's one step, one step, one step, one step. Mm-hmm. And you look back and you've walked a mile. And I think for us, we knew early days that fundraising was going to be essential because we started out and we have started out as a product-based business, a physical product-based business. So that requires inventory. And the fun part about inventory and selling physical products is that you have to pay for them before you sell them. (laughs) So that requires some pretty significant investment because you can't just place tiny, tiny orders for things. You've got to place some pretty hefty orders in order to build up enough inventory to actually be able to sell it. Um, So we did bootstrap the very beginning, you know, working on really establishing some of the basics, getting the company set up, um, getting some creative done, some branding done. Um, And then when it was time to, all right, we've done all of our research, we're ready to start actually placing orders with manufacturers. That's when we knew there's, it's, it's do or die. We, we either get some money or this isn't going to work. Interesting. So how did you go about fundraising How did you go about pulling your pitch together? Did you have any mentors or supporters that you worked with? So our team is incredible. And our team is the backbone behind 
a lot of the various introductions that we got. But the way we sort of started out, even before, you know, getting ready to talk to investors, we had tried it on our own. We tried it on our own uh, once and we met with a few different people and I realized very quickly that we did not speak the language of the investor community. I had no idea what these people were talking about and all the acronyms they were using. I came from an entirely different industry. I had no idea. So we ended up getting um, a couple of sort of mentors or coaches that basically talked us through and coached us through building out a deck in a different way and understanding a bit of this new investor language. And some of this just comes with time, but I think it's important up front to really have somebody help you break down some of these acronyms. When they're asking you questions in a pitch, you need to understand what they're saying. It's like speaking Italian to somebody who's speaking Chinese. Like it's, you're not going to be able to communicate unless you understand the basics of their language. Um, and so as we we built the deck and as we started to understand the language, we decided like, all right, we're ready to go. And everybody sort of went out to all of their different networks to say, we have this idea, we have this concept, um, and we want to speak to investors who invest in pre-seed companies, invest basically in ideas and teams before mm-hmm. you have a physical product and before you have revenue. And it's always through somebody, through somebody, through somebody that you'll get to the right person. Um, And that's what happened at the very beginning. I was introduced to this incredible founder. Her name is Monica. And she was like, you know, I talked to a bunch of people in my own fundraise and I'm going to introduce you to a few of the companies that um, either passed in us or maybe they invested in us, but that would invest in a company that's sort of like yours. And she introduced us to the folks at BAM Ventures, who's Brian Lee, um, from the Honest Company and Shamin Walsh, who now sits on our board. And really funny, great story. Our first deck on the front slide of our deck said, we are going to be the Honest Company of the fertility world. And that deck went to BAM before I knew that Brian was involved with the Honest Company. And I was like, this is just the perfect full circle moment. That is amazing. Yeah. How, how was that meeting when you first connected with Brian? It was incredible. That team got it. They understood. You can tell really quickly. Yeah. I've learned to be able to tell really quickly in um, meetings with different groups, whether they understand up front uh-huh. or they don't. Um, we've talked to, we've talked to a lot. We've talked to a lot of, um, VCs and angels and it's, it's, we've heard, we've heard some amazing things. We, we spoke to one, uh, gentleman who (laughs) didn't seem to understand why somebody would buy more than one pregnancy test per child. Really? And we're like, I don't think this meeting is going to go very well. Um, so they have to, there's a, there's a vibe there's a vibe yes. from the beginning and it's, I think there's, there's a connection element too, but that team got it. They got it. They understood. They could see the, the marriage of brand technology and product and the future of what we're building now, which is digital. They understood all of this mm-hmm. together and, um, and they led our round and because of them, there was a ton of other people who were interested and we raised money pretty quickly. We, we raised, um, 
in in our first round, we raised uh, 1.8 million in like four weeks. That's amazing. It was once Bam was in, everybody else was was in, and this was in. Uh, 2021 and fertility was on the tip of everybody's lips. So we also had the blessing of timing. That makes sense. It's There's um, so much to be said about that tipping point when everything falls together at the right time. So just for anybody to know, if we go back and look at what happened in 2021, PitchBook data shows that there was over $800 million that was invested across 90 deals globally in the fertility space. Like that's an over 200% increase from the year before which is like literally, as you said, perfect timing for you guys to go out to market and bring your product and and share this vision. And I love that we're seeing more VCs giving funding to female femtech companies and female entrepreneurs, because I sometimes see that there's like a male entrepreneur that's creating like a period product or something for, for women. And, you know, these guys get funding so quickly and to me, I'm like, I love that you are being a champion for women and creating these products for women, but I'm certain that there are women who are also creating their own businesses for the needs of other women and they could use funding as well. I want to get your thoughts on that as a, a woman founder in a space that's traditionally thought of as like women products, although you do offer products for men as well, male and female. Um, what are what are your thoughts there when you see these things and these these potential competitors taking VC money? So I think if I if I'm going to speak about my own personal experience, I don't feel like I was treated differently in the fundraising process than males because I'm not a man and I can't really speak on behalf of their experience. Fair. I don't feel like anybody looked at me in a meeting and said you're a woman and you can't do this. Um, so that was not, again, I can't, I can't speak as a male. So I'm speaking from my, my personal experience. What I do see is a lot of funds looking at products in the femtech or female space and putting questions out there around differentiation in the market. And is there too much competition when we look at products on the male side, I can't tell you the number of ED products that are mm-hmm. out there. How many <laughs> sports drinks companies are out there? Yep. Um, I wonder if the same questions have been raised around those products. I don't know. I don't know. Probably how- not. I'm going to go out on a limb here and say probably not because there, there's it's something. It's so interesting. Like as soon as there is. Um, a male issue that there's all this money put behind it. So much research, so much money. Um, but things for femtech products, there's always this question of like, well, is there enough? Like you said, is there enough in the market? Are we already competing with too many people? And it's like, do you know the population of the women in this, in this world and how many of them need access to these products? And how is that even a question? But tell us about your personal journey. So when I was running my agency, ran it for 10 years, I was building my family at the same time. And I also was struggling with fertility. And I went through pregnancy loss. I struggled my whole life with PCOS. Um, still do today. And guess what? You still get to struggle with that postmenopause. It's, it's not something that ever goes away, but can certainly be managed. Um, but but I, was, I was sort of doing both. And I was frustrated. And I was so frustrated 
because I was working in consumer products. I was working in beauty and, and I was living in this like consumer marketing world with my clients. And I was looking at the fertility space because I was in it. And I was like, this is the worst, the worst consumer journey ever. The entire space was fragmented. The products that I actually needed that would support me from a clinical perspective were entirely gated by practitioners, but they are not prescription products. So you had to pay $350 per appointment to see a naturopath for them to tell you what vitamins to take. And then they had vitamins that only could be sold at a naturopath's office. They're not prescription vitamins. It was just incredibly fragmented and buying tests from here and vitamins from there. And there also wasn't a focus or enough education surrounding being proactive about fertility health and reproductive health. The messaging loud and clear and which we're we're railing against still today is try for a year Mm -hmm. before you see a doctor. But there's a lot of reasons why somebody should see a doctor earlier And you can do some simple testing to find out if you should see a doctor earlier. But that Mm -hmm. wasn't, that wasn't known. That wasn't out there. And I came through the experience and I realized that my passion really lay there. I wanted to help other people not have to go through what I had gone through. And I, I really wanted to just double down on this messaging that early proactive reproductive health care can optimize your outcomes. And there are easy and accessible ways that we can help people do that. Mm-hmm. And, and so we made the decision that we were going to sell the agency. This was right before COVID, right before COVID hit. Mm-hmm. Um, and we had uh, an incredible deal. We found a buyer. We found more than one buyer. We found a, a buyer we were going to go with. And the deal was supposed to go through April 1st, 2020. Oh, wow. Right in the thick of it. And COVID hit it was March 14th, yep. 2020. And the deal fell through. No. Yep. Because everyone across, I mean, everyone across the world, but everyone, especially in our industry, all the clients pulled their contracts. Um, oh. They were, they all, all of our clients at the time, almost all the clients, they either paused their contracts or they half their contracts. Mm -hmm. And this was happening across the entire industry and across every industry. Everybody was frozen. And so the deal fell through and we decided, okay, uh, I guess we'll just sort of hang on. I think we ended up keeping one person on staff Mm -hmm. and I was working on Bird and Bee already. And we hung on, we hung on through the better part of that year and then ended up selling the agency in February of the following year. Okay. Um, but the, the process of sort of hanging on and making sure everything was still okay enough to sell it mm-hmm. and then balancing building a new business at the same time with my kids at home. Oh my God. <laughs> being homeschooled on Zoom was, um, it was crazy. It was a crazy time. How did you mentally keep yourself strong and going during that time? I honestly, like, I I think part of me has mentally blocked out (laughs) an entire year. I remember having a martini every single day at 4.45. Cheers. (laughs) I used to take my daughter for these long walks. She was so little at the time. I think she was one, one and a half. 
And for her afternoon nap, I remember every single day for her afternoon nap, I would take her in the stroller and I would listen to a really trashy audiobook mm-hmm. and disconnect from the entire day. And I would just walk for an hour and a half and listen to yeah. my books and and literally not think about anything else. And I and I truly believe that that was part of my saving grace. Um, and I remember my husband was op- he was he was in the operating room um, throughout COVID. And I would make him change outside before <laughs> yep. he came back in the house. So again, his schedule was less flexible. It was it was nuts. And and we didn't have my parents either because That's right. everybody was scared of everything. Um, but again, I had I, my, my nanny had just started with us um, when when my daughter was born, and mm-hmm. she was living with us. And because of COVID, nobody could go anywhere. And so she saved us. She got us through. She was the only reason that I was able to work because she would take care Mm -hmm. of the littlest one during the day. It was at a time where we were building the, we were, we were building the building blocks of Burden B. So if it was fast forward to today, it would not, I I don't think it would have worked Mm -hmm. as well because we didn't yet have customers. We were still building. So the the day to day wasn't as uh, packed as it is. There was definitely a bit of an element of more flexibility and less uh, intensity at the time. What were some of the the foundations that you wanted to have in your business at, at Bird and Bee? I was so excited to be able to focus on one brand mm-hmm. because at the agency we had so many different clients, so many different types of products and. Uh, companies. And I was so excited to be able to focus on one brand that was mine. I got to decide what this brand stands for Mm -hmm. and how we approach product development and how we name products and pick colors for the boxes and how we speak to people and to use this brand as a vehicle for the important education that I think that we're lacking as a society Mm -hmm. about fertility, health. And it was honestly the, the biggest thing for me was being able to hone the focus in one place. Now today, I feel like, sure, it's focused on one brand, but it's focused, you know, I'm back to having a fragmented focus across many areas of the business, but it's still focused on that one goal, which is helping people to build their families faster and optimize their fertility health. And that is the one thing that we know day in and day out that we get to do every day. We're now, like our audience is women that are 30 plus, right? We're ambitious, we're working, we may be married, single, coupled up, whatever it is. What advice do you give to women at this this stage who maybe haven't started trying yet, are not really sure, like, am I going to go down the path of having kids? I don't, I don't know. Yeah, there's, there's a few things that we recommend to everybody. You can go and get a full fertility workup from your doctor And then there's at-home options as well. We're about to launch uh, early next year our at-home ovarian reserve screening test um, for males. It's it's so important to test your sperm. Mm -hmm. You cannot know anything about your sperm health, sperm quality, um, unless you look at it under a microscope and we make an at-home test. And I say this because I know we're speaking to women and females, but if these women and females are in a relationship with a male partner... Mm -hmm then they got to get that male partner tested up front because you do not want to be wasting your time trying at home for two years only to find out that the male has an issue with the sperm. 
you can find that out right away. You can save yourself a lot of heartache, a lot of stress, and a lot of time. For the females, you can go, you get your fertility workup, you can look at your FSH, your AMH, you can have uh, your actual follicles counted via an ultrasound, you can look at your blood work, you can make sure that all of your vaccinations are up to date, um, and and you can get an overall picture of your health. And then at home, we want to be making sure that we are optimizing on the health side. So we're talking diet, exercise, sleep, stress. We're talking about limiting alcohol, no smoking, no smoking at all, mm-hmm. not even, not even a bit. <laughs> uh, it really, it's really, really bad for you. Um, alcohol is not great for you either. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the, if, if you're actually trying to conceive, our doctors will say, stop drinking altogether. Um, and then from a diet perspective, we're looking at whole foods, low processed foods, or none if you can, you know, avoid it. Um, and from a sleep perspective, I would say that's one of the most important things you can be doing, committing to a really healthy sleep pattern. You're getting your seven to nine hours a night mm-hmm. and you're not straying from that because sleep or during sleep is when we make all of those really good hormones that real, will help to support egg quality, will help to support fertility and overall health and well-being. And if you're not getting that sleep, then you're in big trouble. Yeah, for sure. And one thing that I learned about recently is that women actually need more sleep than men. So there's like science and research to show that we actually do need to get, like you said, that seven to nine hours. And the advice here is put your phone away, get off of TikTok, put your laptops away. And having a really good nighttime routine sets you up for success the next day. So it's not even just about the health side where yes, you want to get your sleep and you want to rest and restore and all your organs, like get, take care of them overnight as you're sleeping. But if you sleep early, you also will be more successful in your day to day because you'll be rested. You can think clearly. And as you said, it helps to balance your hormones. If you're not sleeping well, you're not eating well, you're drinking too much, you're smoking too much. All of these things will impact every area of your life. And exercise. That's the best advice I think I can give for anyone. And I think the one thing that has contributed to my homeostasis and Mm well-being is exercise. You need to move your body every day, every single day. And that doesn't mean you need to do an hour workout at a gym every single day, Uh, but you got to get out and move your body. And some days, if you can just handle 30-minute walk, then that's okay. Um, But you got to, you got to commit you got to commit to lifting good heavy weights a couple times a week. You got to get that cardio in. Um, and it it does wonders for mental health in addition to physical health and well-being. So oh, for sure. Even if done. you can, there's like seven minute workouts that are really a high intensity. Seven minutes. Who doesn't have seven minutes? Like think about scrolling on Instagram. Sometimes I'm on there and 20 minutes goes by. I'm like, that could have been a workout. I could have done a hit, hit workout and would have been better for my overall health and well-being. And I want to say thank you for joining us on the podcast today. I think it's been incredible having you on, hearing about your journey from corporate to agency life to CEO and founder of this incredible startup company. You're making such an impact and you're such an inspiration to so many women. And it was an honor to have you on the podcast. I loved our conversation. So I want to say thank you. And I want to tell all of our followers to make sure to check out Bird and Bee, hop on their website, follow them on social media. And thanks for joining us today, Sam. Thank you so much for having me and allowing me to talk about the craziness that has been the journey to get to today. And 
maybe I'll come back and share what the next couple of years looks like. Yeah, absolutely. Always happy to have you back. So thanks again, everyone, for listening and supporting She's Interesting. Be sure to follow us on Instagram, TikTok, and sign up for our newsletter to get more in-depth information on business, money, and well-being for women over 30.